Hi, I'm Mark Pirro, and you're listening to the Walter Paisley Movie House. Welcome to the Walter Paisley Movie House, where we celebrate the little engines that could not. Coming to you from Nilbog Manor Studios, our music is by Jonathan Harmon, and I am your host, Dylan Rory. Today is one of my favorite kind of shows because I am talking to two prolific low-budget filmmakers. They are both actors, writers, directors, cinematographers, musicians, and all-around auteurs. Combined, this renaissance couple have worked on over 70 movies from shorts to features in various capacities. Together, they have brought us features like Magnetic, Blood of the Tribades, Clickbait, and their latest, the genre star-studded Once and Future Smash. They have worked with a who's who of cult movie mainstays like Mark Torgel, Heidi Honeycutt, Carl Solomon, Dan Yeager, Michael St. Michaels, Bill Whedon, as well as former podcast guests Lloyd Kaufman and Joe Castro. Aside from movies, they also perform as musicians in bands like the psychedelic punk trio Darling Pet Monkey. To list their combined list of credits would take the entirety of this show, so I will just let them talk about it all as I welcome Michael J. Epstein and Sophia Cacciola. Thank you. We, we have a, a momentary dog crisis, so we're just bringing her over because she gets scared to cross the floor. But uh, I, I get it. Here well, she while is. You're, while you're doing Their that, dog flash. Hi, Flash. While you while we're getting Flash settled, I'm gonna real quick. I'm gonna introduce our other guest. Uh, I'm being joined in the studio today by a singer, actress, producer, and makeup artist who has worked on over 30 movies, TV shows, and music videos. She was the key makeup artist on major features like Ms. Whitelight, Things vs. Spurs, The Good Catholic, The Miseducation of Bindu, and So Cold the River. She has worked with icons of both mainstream and cult cinema like Danny Glover, David Arquette, Jeffrey Wright, Cedric Yardborough, <laughs> excuse me, William Fitcher, Polly Shore, Judith Light, and Joe Estevez. She even acted opposite previous podcast guest Lloyd Kaufman in the short Purge Clause, which was featured on Troma TV's Make Your Own Damn Movie series. As a singer, she has performed for over a decade as lead female vocalist with the Indianapolis Jazz Orchestra, as well as the lead singer of the Mortville Flea Market. Not only that, she also has to watch movies like She Mob and The Sinful Dwarf because her boyfriend just loves trash. Please welcome Julie Powers. <laughs> I have two. I have two take homes from that. Uh, you're you're very patient if you could sit through the sinful dwarf. Absolutely. One. And uh, and number two, it was like a very respectable list of actors, and then I felt like Polly Shore snuck in there. Who, who uh, I'm excited about personally, but I but I know that that it was an interesting uh, you know sort of contrast with some of the other that was, names. That was kind of an inside joke yeah. that I threw out it, there. Oh, okay. I love it. Whatever, whatever it is, I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I did his makeup for a photo shoot here. Um, the pictures were amazing, but he didn't like release them. So we never got to use them. Uh. So yeah, it was a whole thing. It was, it was interesting. He's a pro in front of the camera. He was yeah. a pro. Well, Hi. welcome, you guys. Thanks yeah, so thanks. much for joining us. <laughs> thanks, thanks <laughs> That's okay. All this show is is tangents. You're fine. Uh, That's we're so, experts in tangents. So good. Fine. Well, it's no wonder. I mean, you guys are. I I normally do a lot of research, and I tried with you guys, but you have done so much that trying to even piece it all together in some kind of chronological way, any kind of logical way, I just lost. I got. I kept going down rabbit holes with everything you guys have worked on. Uh, so I guess we'll just 
kind of start out first off where did you guys meet <laughs> we met in cambridge at a folk massachusetts music- yeah, yeah, not yep. Cambridge, like like the college in England. We're not that posh. <laughs> Cambridge, Massachusetts. It was a folk music club called Club Passim, and they had like a weekly open mic. And there was like a group of us that like were not doing folk music, <laughs> but we would go every week anyway just to like work on our songwriting. And so like we became friends with like a group, and um, so that's how we met because we were just like showing up at the same place every week and being the weirdos there. Mm-hmm. And then eventually we started, um in like rock bands like which was more appropriate for what we were actually doing and uh and then eventually got married <laughs> somewhere somewhere along the way. somewhere in there skip, skip a yeah. bunch of years there but uh uh yeah we, we we started we basically started music and we we kind of met through music and then we were doing music together for a while and then transitioned kind of to film and uh or added tacked on film to our yeah. to our music uh mm-hmm. affairs i guess yeah what so when you guys were doing music, you, you meet up, was it immediately like, hey, we should be doing music together? Or is it something that just kind of built over time as you got to talk more and got to know each other more? Yeah, well, working on music was kind of immediate because that's where, like, that's how we met, you know, and that mm-hmm. was where our interest was. And both of us really wanted to tour and to make records. And it just like made sense for us to complement each other in that way. And then like, you know, relationship and stuff came much later. Um, but I think, you know, especially like you said, being in a in a place that was really fun, but it was like a very folk folk oriented or folk structured place. And then this group of us kind of felt a little outside that. So we kind of immediately bonded over being sort of not and nobody treated I don't no, mean they to were say very we, kind yeah, no, nobody treated <laughs> us like outsiders or anything. Everybody was awesome. Uh, yeah. But but, you know, we we could feel that our our musical interests were a little different so sure. we immediately bonded we immediately started kind of collaborating i think you know i met you oh well it was in 2001 i guess right yeah. so you know september 11th happened somewhere right right after but i met yeah. I, we met in the summer of uh kind of end of the summer of 2001 and then i think by december we were already kind of like recording music together and, and uh, doing stuff together so not not long no okay no. did you both grow up in the northeast yeah, I'm from Western New York, like the Finger Lakes area. Okay. And like basically when I turned like 16, 17, I was like, I need to go to a city. And I had family in Boston. So that was the city <laughs> that I went to. <laughs> um, and I, I grew up in Long Island in New York. Okay. And then uh, I went to school in Western New York and then eventually wanted to uh, go to grad school in, in a city of some kind and uh, ended up in Boston for grad school. And then that's that's where we met. Yeah. So we okay. Yeah. All right. So growing up, and this is, you guys can kind of each answer this in your own way, as you were growing up, um, just just looking at the movies you have made, especially your features, you both obviously are deeply ensconced in genre. And uh, there's, I mean, Once in Future Smash, I, it was nothing but Easter eggs for nerds like me. So I, it was, I, were you guys growing up with that in your lives or is that something that came later? Let's start. I'll, I can yeah. start. Yeah, I mean, I I grew up uh, very much in the VHS era, and uh, you know my my best friend and I pretty much like every day would just go to the the little mom and pop video store and like look for the weirdest. We're like, what is the weirdest thing we can find here? And you know, scouring, re- looking at the art on the box covers and kind of reading synopses and just whatever whatever the strangest thing we could find. That's like what we would what we would rent. So um, we definitely sought out. I wouldn't even say, I mean, it, we, we sort of land in horror, but I wouldn't even say it was just horror. It was just like any any kind of strange cinema. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, it's always been a kind of a, a big part of, of my interest. I always loved movies. I love weird movies. And um, we didn't, I think, you know, Sophia would, will probably can elaborate on this, but we didn't really start making movies right away. We kind of got into music, even though we were both growing up, we both kind of did shoot movies on like VHS cameras and did editing between two VCRs and that, awesome. that whole business. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we didn't really get into making movies because it just seemed like it was impossible. It seemed like prohibitive. Like we, we didn't have the resources to, get all that stuff together and get all those people together and actually do something. Mm -hmm. And so I think it took us until when digital uh, cameras were kind of sufficient to do something that, that was, uh, you know, relatively good quality at that point and uh, relatively cheap that that was yeah. kind of when we realized like, okay, we can actually just start doing this. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think for, I had like less access just cause like I grew up like in a very rural area. So like, you know, I, sometimes we didn't have a VCR and stuff, but like, I would go to the video store and rent anything that had like Roger Corman on the name or like I found the stuff and that really affected oh, me as a kid. Oh, like, that's a great was, like, one. Yeah. My favorite movie <laughs> as a kid. And um, <laughs> I loved like Star Trek and any sci-fi that would come on the TV, I would always watch. Um, and then like later, once I had more access, like I watched like everything I could find. Um, so yeah, so but definitely always leaning towards sci-fi and genre and horror Mm -hmm. uh we always just say like drama like just doesn't like real life doesn't appeal to me i'm living the real life <laughs> like i don't want to like watch it as my fun time you know i totally <laughs> so, get that yeah absolutely you know, like, relationship <laughs> stuff i could care less you know right. <laughs> we, we sort of like the uh, you know there's this sort of european idea of like fantastique or, or something and we, I, I always kind of like that idea that it's something about the the presentation of the material is not realism there's something that yeah. that goes beyond realism that has a fantasy element that has um, a, a metaphorical element, a, you know, symbolic representative element. And that that's always kind of been what has appealed to us. So whatever whatever realm that kind of lands in, that tends to be more present in kind of horror or sci fi or, or those yeah. areas than than others. But um, I think, you know, we enjoy surrealist films as well. Like, so any anything that's not Drodowski, tied down to like things like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Anything that's not tied down to like let's watch two people talk about their feelings and be sad about their relationship <laughs> kind of kind of over that like no. i've lived it yeah, i, I don't need yeah. to watch it i mean it's fine if people like that i guess More it's cathartic for some people but i just like push feelings aside and i don't want to like confront them <laughs> i just want to like spray blood you know i get that uh, mm -hmm, absolutely yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, it's interesting when I, um, and it comes up a lot on this podcast where um, guests like you guys who grew up in, in a rural area, I grew up in Southern Indiana in a very small town and, and the video store we had kind of got to know me and would let me know when something weird, Hey, we just got surf Nazis must die. You got to watch it. Okay. <laughs> you know, they kind of hold it for me. I, it, did you guys start to kind of build out any kind of weird network while you're I like I in the back of Fangoria, I would I got in this little underground VHS trade group where I was introduced to all sorts of fun weird shows where I first saw Herschel Gordon Lewis, um, which you you weren't gonna find in Hanover, Indiana. So um did did you guys kind of get connected up with people, other weirdos, I guess? Yeah, I mean uh should I go first? Yeah. Usually, okay. I mean, not not for me so much until I moved to Boston right. and then like discovered yeah. repertory theater and like 
talk to more people but yeah but for you probably more <laughs> yeah for me uh growing up definitely you know I had a group of friends who were into this sort of thing and I used to go to um I, where I grew up there was a very big like sci-fi convention called Icon that happened every year and there was always like we'd go to that and, and there'd be weird bootlegs of stuff that wasn't released in the U.S. <laughs> yeah digging through that and um this is a kind of a strange story but a, a, a close friend of mine his like uncle I think he died of AIDS actually in the 80s and he had his like entire place was just absolutely filled with like really strange horror movies and B movies and stuff. And so my friends had like inherited all of that uh, wow. material. Nice. And so we we were just like brain sucker. What is this? Like pop it in. OK, you know, great. I mean, so we saw stuff that I, I don't even know, you know, wh where it came from or and uh, there's still some things that I I haven't, you know, haven't seen kind of since. But um but yeah, it was kind of like a treasure trove of like weird stuff. I was about to use that exact phrase. Yeah. <laughs> that just sounds amazing. <laughs> so and then and then a group of us, um, a friend of mine kind of invented this idea. So we, a lot of us were were Jewish. Um, and so we would be bored on Christmas. Like that was a big sure. thing. It was like, you know, Christmas, like, what do we do? All of our friends are busy, all, whatever. So we he we've already eaten having, Chinese food. Let's yeah, laugh. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so uh, we he started having what we would call a, a Christmas bah humbug party where we just watch like we'd like marathon movies for like 20 hours straight basically on Christmas. And um, all of our like, you know, Christian friends started trying to get out of their family <laughs> obligations to come to it. <laughs> um, and then we started doing it on like every holiday. So we'd have like, you know, Halloween bah humbug and like Valentine's Day bah humbug. <laughs> and just just so we so we'd have these like kind of marathons like mm -hmm. at, at, at my friend's house. <clears throat> and um, it was sometimes a compromise because, you know, we'd invite people who wanted to watch more normal stuff or like his mom would want to watch, you know, kind of more normal stuff. Mm -hmm. But we always were including qu quite a lot of like the whatever. The, it was like a, a, a challenge to find the strangest. Sure. The you know, most disturbing thing possible to include in that. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what about you, Sophia? You, you made it to Boston and you started networking with weirdos. Yeah, well, especially once we started doing music videos, we started meeting other filmmakers. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that was really cool because then that introduced us to like the Boston Underground Film Festival, which takes place at the Brattle. Yeah. And that's like really where we started like seeing a lot of indie films. Yeah. And um, oh, you're wearing the sweatshirt right now. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so yeah, that was more like once I started working more in like the video aspect and meeting directors and other creators like that, it definitely... You know, it'd be like, oh, you have to check this out. Or like, I think like, you know, like what inspired like Blood of the Tribbles was like a double feature at the Brattle, which is like Daughters of Darkness. And what was the second one? Uh, like, Twins of Evil. Twins yeah. of Evil. Yeah. It was like a double feature. Like, yeah. this movie. <laughs> I mean, I, I we had seen a lot of the Hammer you know, movies. Oh, I don't, yeah. don't want to get too sidetracked, yeah. but yeah, we've seen a lot of the Hammer no. movies. But I think exactly. going to that, going to that feature, we were like, I want to make a movie like this, you know, yeah. like that, that, that was the moment yeah. where it felt like that. that so. As we were, as we were watching it, there were a couple shots where I'm like, Oh, that's hammer. Mm -hmm. That's oh, just yeah. straight yeah. up hammer. <laughs> the close up in the blood. I'm like, yeah, it's hammer. It's <laughs> not, it's not shy about sharing influences. I think that, that film. So yeah. 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 No. That's awesome. Well, so you're working in, in music first, you've got a band. Um, so there was um, the darling pet monkey, which I, I, that's pretty fucking solid music. The stuff I listened to from that. Uh, what what other projects did you guys do together? Well, like my main songwriting project was called "Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling," which was mm -hmm. like loosely based on the British TV show The Prisoner. 
And so like I would name each nice. song after an episode of The Prisoner and like have some references to it. And then like mm-hmm. it was part of our visual identity as well. And that one Did you have a giant ball chasing you around on stage? Uh a couple we, times we did it. Yeah, yeah, Awesome. We did we did weather balloons. They break really easily, so it's like hard to do. Uh, right. Slow this powder We did. Yeah, we did. We we made a music video that was a recreation of the opening uh segment of it, the kind of the title credits where they kind of explain the backstory. Yeah. Uh, so we did a video kind of shot for shot remake of that 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 was very popular with prisoner fans and then also was on the time magazine like best of the year list and oh cool and nice so, um so yeah we were pretty you know it was you under you undersold the prisoner elements of it i think a little bit but <laughs> um well it's awesome like they're still my songs like they're no, not no, joke yeah. songs like jolly pet monkey was like a collaboration with our friend Catherine Capozzi, who does mm-hmm. a lot of our score stuff with us yeah and she's just like this amazing guitarist like one of the best ever and um so like dolly pet monkey was like just like i almost like was like a one-off to do like just a song with her and then like we had so much fun we'd made like a whole record and that project is all based around stuff that used to be sold in the back of comic books so like extra stuff yeah. monkeys and so like, it's more of like a joke thing but then like it's just fun garage rock so it's like kind of a fun party band that we had for a few years oh the music is great i mean yeah, it, it was fun. very solid yeah. yeah yeah we had we had fun with that band a lot uh you know we we love that style of music the yeah. kind of like garage the punk crossover and, yeah. uh thing and so we really enjoyed that but yeah we played in quite a few bands and i think we started new projects the part part of your reason for saying like there's too much stuff to figure out is that we would even sometimes with the same people we're like well we want to do a project like darling pet monkey that's focused on a very specific thing so it's like we need a new band name kind of for that specific thing and a new look yeah. you know like a new kind of style for it a new kind of approach to it yeah um so we had we had quite a few different projects i i was originally in a band called the motion sick that was like an indie rock band and then I had a band called the Michael J. Epstein Memorial Library, because uh, I thought if you're going to name a band after yourself, you should at least be dead in the in the name. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, we, we kind of played through those. And then um, we had a children's band called Space Balloons. Yeah. Uh, awesome. There's probably other stuff on that. Our, our scoring project is called Night Kisses. That's that. And, uh, you know, so so it's kind of like a lot of it is crossover with a lot of the same collaborators and a lot of the same right. people, but it's like an individual project with a different style of music or a different kind of creative approach or whatever it is. Yeah. They're younger us. I know. <laughs> I was thinking that. It's kind of what we do. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> so our films make more sense. When I want to do something very niche and specific, I just make one film like that. But like with yeah. bands, it would get so confusing for people. Like, <laughs> You know, especially when they see the same people on stage, but we're doing like a different genre. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's we awesome. To that dress... you can do that though. Yeah, we try oh, to dress yeah, very yeah. differently in each one yeah. too. But... Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> very specific. Cool. Like the li- the library, the Michael Jackson where we dressed as librarians. You know? right. <laughs> like, like glasses, pencil nice. skirts, all that stuff. It was nice. all women except for him. <laughs> cool. <laughs> like an eight piece band. So oh, yeah, awesome. we just did ridiculous stuff, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I can appreciate that. Yeah. So at what point then, you, we talked a little bit about this already, but at what point did you decide, you know what, we just, we're going to make a movie? So I think the first, the the <clears throat> crossover started happening. So I had, I had this band called The Motion Sick, and we had a song mm-hmm. called 30 Lives, and um, we made a music video for it. And um, the music video ended up doing really well, getting played on like a lot of the, not not primary MTV, but like MTV2 and M- MTV College right. and those other networks. And then um, it ended up in the Dance Dance Revolution games that were out around that time. So we had oh cool like, 
we had like a pretty good success with that song and that video and thought like, oh, we should keep making music videos. And then for Sophia's band, we did that prisoner video, mm-hmm. which took us like two years. To, yeah, it was very, we were, very long. We recreated it shot for shot. And of course, the prisoner was shot in England and Wales. Yeah. <laughs> and so like we did it around like luckily Boston does kind of look like London, but like we did it all yeah. like finding locations in Boston. Like we worked with the director, Ted Cormier on it and like learned so much from his <clears throat> process that like, you know, I just spied on him the whole time, all his spreadsheets and all his like his emails and stuff before we shot anything. Um, I learned a lot from yeah. that for sure but like it took a long time it was like 11 days sh- of shooting but it just took a long time to each piece because like 70 shots we needed you know? yeah but uh yeah we did those two music videos and we had success with those and thought oh we need to make more music videos but then we also realized they were very expensive to make. down yeah so we thought okay well maybe we can do something that's like scaled down that's not as complicated mm-hmm. we can get our own camera gear because it was this is around 2011 or so so it's like okay. stuff was starting to get reasonably inexpensive for yeah, like you know reasonable looking kind of digital cameras mm-hmm. um and so we just bought some camera gear and then started like basically making music videos as much as we could and then started doing kind of short films especially in collaboration with our bandmates um and then what actually happened i mean it's funny i didn't mean to wear i'm not wearing the brattle sweatshirt on purpose but uh we just started entering like the, uh, you know, 48 hour film uh, mm-hmm. contests and uh, those kind of things. And the Brattle had a contest where they, um, it was their 10th anniversary. And they said, we want you to make a trailer for a fake movie. And you, you if you sign up, we pull like parameters for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, the movie has to be called 10. And when we did it, they pulled uh, like, horror and haunted house and ghosts I don't even or something, remember something like that but okay so anyway we got we got you know ideas related to that we made a trailer with a group of friends and um it was really fun and i think it won you know the the curator choice award i mean something there it was you know it was celebrated mm-hmm. there in some way and uh so we finished that and then everybody who was involved in that said like hey let's make this movie <laughs> and we thought that's a really terrible idea because we don't know what we're doing but Sure, but why, but why not? A, a terrible, complicated, big project. We're like, yeah, let's do it. Why not? You know? So, uh, you know, we started writing it. And I think, you know, probably like six or eight months later, we we shot the thing. And well, we got, got a Kickstarter together because yeah. like, luckily, like we were pretty entrenched in Boston in all of the art scenes. Like we knew the poets, we knew all the musicians, we knew the yeah. burlesque artists. Like it was just like such a wide range of different, you know, creators like in Boston happening at that time. And somehow we had our hands and like knew everybody, you know? And so when we ran the Kickstarter, we were including so many different people from so many different like little niche areas in Boston in the art scene that people were like, okay, I'll throw you 20 bucks. Like go make this, this movie, you know? And so like a lot of people that we'd played shows with and stuff just came through with like 20 bucks, you know, or a hundred bucks, like just go have fun. Let's see what you can do. And so we raised like 20,000, I think. I, I think for that it was about 20, yeah. And um, nice. so that really was like, okay, we're going to make like a somewhat of a real movie, you know? And mm-hmm. so it was enough money that we rented a mansion in Rhode Island. It was a shabby chic mansion, but it was sure. huge. You know? <laughs> um, you know, we got insurance, we did all that stuff. And we just moved in there in like December for like, was like maybe 10 days or something. Yeah, something like that. Days. And like, like we had... To, I keep saying if we made that movie now, I could probably do it in eight hour days. But because we didn't know what we were doing, we were doing like 20 hour days. Like I was like delirious. (laughs) And like it was pretty crazy. But we had so much fun doing it. And like 
that kind of camaraderie that happens on a film mm -hmm. set like is just very addictive yeah. i think too and it's not you know the movie turned out as it did there's has i think it turned out it pretty ha good it has not knowing what we were doing and weaknesses, let's just say. <laughs> um but you know we we submitted to film festivals we got into a bunch of festivals and you know it played places people enjoyed it and then um you know we got distribution for it and it got got released and we thought mm -hmm. like well, you've all made the mistake of encouraging us to continue. Yeah, we got that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, really it's everybody's fault who, who kind yeah. of said like, oh, yeah, I'm going to sit down and watch your movie and yeah. I'm going to, you know, buy, buy your movie on uh, Amazon or whatever. So, yeah. So when you're when you're going into a project like that, you have no fucking clue what you're doing. You have twenty thousand dollars of other people's money now. <laughs> I'm sure that's intimidating. You feel like you you want to try and serve up something that they'll appreciate. Yeah, I don't know if we were intimidated, but we worked really hard. Yeah, like we had like multiple people looking at the script. We had, you know, like we worked really hard on costuming and finding the location. Like, and luckily because we were in music, we had a friend of ours do the sound, even though he wasn't like a film sound person. He was a music mm -hmm. sound person. He did a great job. And yeah. then we had worked with this photographer Kelly Davidson a lot on our band photos and she's just an incredible photographer. So she knew lighting and she knew cameras, but she didn't necessarily know cinematography, but like we all kind of like figured it out as we went. And so yeah. like it looks decent and it sounds decent. Okay. Um, so I think it was just like luck and bringing together the people we needed to bring together for it. And we read, we, you know, we read every filmmaking book and make your own damn movie, movie is the yeah. definitive film on low, or yeah. low, definitive book on low budget. Filmmaking. Yeah. And we it's had the just amazing. We had the DVD like box set of that, which has like tons of BTS yep. stuff. And so we're just watching and we're yeah, like, we Oh, that's how they that. do that. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, we just, uh, it was like director's commentaries, B BTS, you know, films, reading books like we did that for months we just yeah. spent months like consuming as much of that as possible and trying to figure out you know how to do the effects and just fit. so we yeah. it's very diy but you know we really did study it wasn't like we just showed up with with some money and like you know to hope that something would happen <laughs> i mean our our skills were limited i'm not gonna yeah. i'm not gonna lie our skills were limited sure. but, but we did put we a lot of effort in. we did try yeah. yeah yeah so, so you did the i mean you did the homework so you okay so yeah. Yeah. What would you and you you may both have a different answer for this. What would you say was the most important lesson you learned coming out of that your first film? Uh, I always say now, looking back, and we've had to learn this lesson like on every film is like any <laughs> any problems that you have at the end of the movie, like when it's done, were in the script. And so I think that movie was very talky and like pages of dialogue and it ends on like a 10 minute monologue. Oh. <laughs> it was like a 10 page monologue that we made this actor do like over and over again. Like, and so like now, like knowing like less talk, more show, you know, <laughs> like that yeah. kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, unless it's like really, you know, I don't know, snappy yeah. or something, like something about it. Like, you know, I think that's where it gets dragged down a little bit. Um, yeah, we learned a lot. I mean, I'll, I'll extend yeah, that a like, little. We learned a lot about what what doesn't work, right? So yeah, it's like, exactly. you know, We learned a lot about like, oh, this is this is a bad way to do this. This doesn't work. This doesn't belong in a movie. You know, what what are you thinking? You know, putting these things in, and um, you know, so the next time we we always say every movie we make, we try to make new mistakes. That's our goal is to make new yeah. mistakes rather than the same the same ones. Yeah. Yeah. So, so magnetic, like our follow up is one person shot over nine months, almost no dialogue. It's all music. Like it's just like a complete opposite film. Uh, but like I still, you know, I love both, whatever. But like magnetic was like our only sci fi that we've been able to pull off so far because I find sci fi is much harder to do low budget. 
Um, just because of VFX or? Yeah, it's just like hard to make it believable for people unless like. Make it feel scale. Is yeah. Or write, you know, to write something that's small enough scale, but feels impactful is, is challenging. I mean, they're great low budget sci-fi yeah, movies. Just, I, I think it's a lot more difficult than yeah. like we rented a cabin and killed a bunch of women you know like that's right. like a very easy film to make yeah <laughs> but something that's like a real thinker you know like, right. you know, like we were trying to do it i don't know how much we succeeded but it was like trying to be very heady thinking movie um is much harder to do a low budget i think yeah yeah so you crank out this first one uh you you're probably exhausted <laughs> you get it out to these festivals <laughs> people are liking it they want to see more uh so where do you go from there? Yeah, well, we immediately ran, <clears throat> not maybe not immediately, but pretty soon after we ran another Kickstarter for Magnetic. Once everybody had mm -hmm. seen. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, once we got it out to the backers yeah. and like we'd done some festivals, like um, the Boston Underground Film Festival Program 10. And like, it was like really great just to show it to the community, you know, and have that yeah. support. And so like immediately people are like, what are you doing now? You know, and that's when. Yeah, we I think we had already that. had that in mind. We kind of launched it soon, soon after. And we thought, you know, we want to make this movie. It's going to be really low budget. We just need to raise like, I want to say we did. We put it up for like 7,000 yeah. or something. That was like all we needed. And uh, I think in the first day we passed, you know, we passed the 7,000 and then kind of, I mean, I maybe landed at 15,000 or something. I don't remember. Nice. The numbers, but, but, um, but yeah, there was immediately a sign of like, yeah, cool. We want to see, you know, we're glad you're doing another project. Like we want to, we want to see what yeah. you're doing next. So that mm -hmm. was, uh, Again, very you know, it's everybody's fault for encouraging us. They could have yeah. they could have stopped us back, back then. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we 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 realized right away. You know, every every time you finish a movie, you're like, I'm never doing this again. This is the it's worst so idea. Yeah. Yeah. I'm never Sound familiar. Like, it does. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, what am I thinking? <laughs> I, I regret my entire life. I'm never doing this again. And then, like two weeks after that, you're like, okay, so what's our next project? Yeah. Like, what are we? What are we doing? You forget very quickly. Too like, if we're not working on something creative, we both kind of wither. <laughs> I so mean, we always need something. Honestly, it, it it. I get that just looking not only at your IMDb's, but just on your Facebook pages, uh, you guys are constantly out doing things. It's, it's it's exhausting to me to look at. I'm like, oh, I wish I could do that. But at the same time, I'm too tired. I couldn't keep up with your schedule. You guys do uh, a little bit of everything. Um, as we, uh, Julie and I are both going through your IMDb's and it's uh, Sophia, I mean, I, you're working in costuming, you're a cinematographer, a very prolific cinematographer, um, all over the place. Michael, same with you. It's just your hands are in every little bit of pie in all kinds of different movies. Yeah. That I'm sure that's great as far as experience goes, but it's also got to be tiring. Well, for me in particular, like once I moved to LA, I started working for other people uh, mm -hmm. in camera department. So as an assistant camera and as a cinematographer. So that's kind of like my day job, you know, like mm -hmm. working on other projects. And then like when you mentioned like costume or art stuff, that's like stuff I only really do for our own movies <laughs> um, because I don't want to hire other people. <laughs> people have tried to hire you to do it. Before. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, it was me. Like, don't even talk to me about it. You know? <laughs> but like, I think, you know, I'm so invested in the visual element and production design and costumes are so important to make your cinematography look good, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, I get so invested in that in our own movies. Anything I can do in pre-production, I'll do, you know, because that's where I have like the time to collect that stuff. Um, but primarily as a job, I'm doing camera 
So, which I love. I learned like the minute I went to LA and started doing like assistant camera stuff, I like my knowledge base just like exploded, mm-hmm. um, which was great. And then like, you know, I was able to translate that into doing cinematography for us and other people. Um, so yeah, so that's why you see so many credits there. Cause like I'm working you know, for money. Yeah. <laughs> we love, yeah. I mean, we, we also, we, we love film. We love like strange projects coming into the world. Yeah. And so we like to try to support people. You know, we meet a lot of people at festivals and we've, we've taken jobs, you know, with people at festivals and uh, yeah, you know, we're usually getting paid for that kind of stuff, but it's not necessarily like, you know, good, good money. It's not as a, the reason is not really necessarily the money. It's that we, you know, we really enjoy being part of a variety of projects and getting to see other filmmakers, you know, mm-hmm. have their, have their visions actually come into the world. And um, I think, you know, as we've done that more and more, we've produced for other people and we've, you know, worked on quite, quite a lot of stuff. I think we were saying the other day that this year it's looking like we might work on like 10 different features, not, not just our own, wow. just different, different people. <laughs> I don't We've already worked on like three, so I don't know. It's a, I've already worked on four this year. So, oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> sounds know, we're just, exhausting. We just, <laughs> we just a like, lot. I'm we feeling like much older it. talking to you guys. I feel much older than I actually am. Uh, now. <laughs> no, it's just, you know, it, it, it's what keeps us like alive, honestly. Same. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, otherwise it's, it, it's like you just sit and you're, you're wondering, like, what am I doing with my life? At least if, you know, if you're collaborating with people and getting out mm-hmm. there and doing stuff for me anyway, that, that gives me a sort of fulfilled feeling for, yeah, temporarily, but, but, uh, yeah. You know, so we're always chasing, chasing that, uh, you know, the excitement of creating, I think, yeah. and the, the fun yeah. of creating. Yeah. What, so I'm sure that when the pandemic hit that, I mean, it, Julie, you can pipe in on this too, please, because I know it affected you tremendously. Oh, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> let's go, let's start with you. How did oh. it affect you? Uh, well, I was finally, as a makeup artist, starting to have a full schedule. So doing that in the Midwest is challenging. And I just completed a feature film. I filmed all January and February, came home. That was So Cold the River. So Cold the River, down in West Baden. Um, and came back, did a week of commercial work. And then the pandemic hit. And my entire schedule for 2020 was canceled. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. So I was out of work for the rest of the year. And it was just really disappointing because it was shaping up at that time to be a really, really great year. And then it was gone and I had to reconfigure and decide what was next. And for yeah. you guys, I'm sure it was a lot of the same. Similarly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> part of it too is like, you know, we just hit like five years in LA. So we finally built up like a great network and had all these plans and like all that kind of disappeared immediately. But also with our latest films, the ones in future smash and end zone two, like the ones in future smash, like we had filmed in February of 2020, like the main part of it. And our plan was to pick up like all the interviews and like mm-hmm. all the, you know, all that stuff like later in the year. And of course that didn't happen. So we were sitting on just like the convention footage, which is like right. a third of the movie or something for like a year. And we had sent that, we worked with an editor on Once a Future Smash, our friend Aaron Brokus, who we've done a few short films with. And he edited together the convention footage and he was like, guys, there's no movie here. Like, <laughs> and we kept being like, Aaron, just like, hold on, like have faith because like, we know that's only like- Yeah, a that's not supposed movie. to be the movie. Part <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Right. laughs> of it was over an hour. Yeah. So he was just like, is this like it? Like, what are you doing? And we're like, dude, we just gotta wait. So we waited over a year before we started picking it yeah. back up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we were pretty much- We were very depressed. Dead in the tracks, oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, both both creatively and, and financially, I think. Yeah. yeah. 
um no it's hard to get a job like it was just like a you know it was very tough yeah. uh, for sure. And, and, you know, it, in the beginning, it certainly, it felt like, okay, we're, I guess we're never going to get to like leave the house or do anything yeah. ever again. I mean, it's going to be who knows how long. Yeah. Uh, and people were optimistic. We had a lot of friends who were like, oh, it'll be fine in six months. And I'm like, it's not going to be fine in six the months. Minute like, it's shut stuff down. It's not going to happen. Like two years yeah. from now, that's when it's going to yeah, be. We, that's why we got a dog. So I was like, I, for two years, I know I'm just going to be sitting here. Right. <laughs> so. But, you know, we managed, we made a few things at it home. Like in retrospect, we did do quite a lot of stuff at home, yeah. um, which at the time felt like we were doing nothing. But like we made like a um, like a weird anthology film with our our friends from up everywhere called The Transformations of the Transformations of the Doctors Jenkins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can explain that, that one. one. But yeah. like, you know, and we made like a little short film with our dog at the time called Bloodhound that ended up being distributed by Arrow. And like, oh, it, like, cool. Really That's well. amazing. It's, it's like a three minute film about how our dog is Dracula. And it just did pretty well, even though we just, you know, just filmed it around the house with the dog. Yeah. And we pretty much just, just, you know, wanted to film our dog doing fun things. And yeah. we're like, well, let's write a story around that and yeah. do something fun with it. Um, so that was, that was nice. Uh, but yeah, it was it was very hard. I mean, we we really because we had a lot of plans. I mean, I think you know we even had quite a few uh, things scheduled. I mean, this yeah. is in February. I think we had we were scheduled at straight you know straight through the summer at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, several features and several shorts, and we were supposed to shoot a short uh, with Aaron, who edited it. He was directing a short that was supposed to shoot the weekend. Oh, the LA shut down. That LA shut yeah. down. <laughs> so you know, on Friday we basically got the news that like. We, it's a no-go for Saturday and Sunday. Um, and so, you know, that got put on hold for a really long time. And he's like, I don't know, do you think they'll, the people, because we cast people we really wanted to work with and everything. Mm-hmm. And we're like, is that going to, you know, he was he was really worried that they would just not want to do it later. I'm like, when things are clear, everybody will want to come back. I just don't yeah. know. It may be a long time, right. but everybody will be happy. And they were, and we shot it, you know, uh, during the, when they were like uh, the 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 everybody vaccine waned, so when everybody was kind of everybody's vaccinated, and there were right. low cases, and Delta hadn't really taken yet, we were able to shoot that short uh, at that time, and everybody's really happy to be part of it, and you know, kind of kind of revive that, and it was it was it was great. So you know, we've done things, we did things in the lulls where where it felt safe enough, and that we you know, because we we never want we never really thought our movies are important enough to put people at risk. It's like I I can't even imagine how I'd feel if I like gave somebody COVID and they, you know, now things are, you know, obviously it's a different world now than it was like in early 2020, where it was like, nobody knew how to treat it. You know, it was very serious potentially. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, at that time I'm like, it's it's just not worth trying to make something and putting anybody, even, even if it's like a 1% risk, I just don't, I just don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, So, you know, we tried to weigh that out and do it carefully and kind of rebuild our, our plans. And I think, you know, it's only really, I don't know, the end of last year where it really has kind of come back to quote unquote normal, I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know your your production work has gone up. Oh, so, significantly. Yeah. yeah this yeah. year, particularly. Yeah. yeah. All of a sudden I have work again. So yeah. 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 That's I think really everybody's nice. feeling safe enough and mm-hmm. everybody has so much pent up energy that they're like, let's film right yeah. now. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. I do love all of the at home things that came out during quarantine. I mean, even you did. You and Yates and your Grey Gardens uh, reviewed. They did a short. It was oh, amazing. Cool. <laughs> we were just yeah, letting yeah. people, my son and I were just letting people know how the 
how the pandemic quarantine was going for us. So we were nice. big Edie and little Edie. Oh, nice. Uh -oh. Yeah, you got to send that to us. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I, I mean, can I talk about the uh, Jenkins oh, yeah. for a minute? If you, if, Absolutely. Cause I, cause talk context, about whatever you want. This is, sure. this is um, your time. Because the context for that is is sort of interesting is that we, we had a group of friends who um, we kind of came together because there was an online film festival. So a lot of the film festivals, this is also a big uh, a big thing for us because we had a lot of films that were completed at that time, a lot of shorts, especially. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we were excited to go to film festivals and present them and wh whatever. But of course, that's that did not happen in 2020. Right. And a lot of them moved online. You know, people are scrambling to find like, how do we make a community and keep these things going? And so, you know, it was hard and I don't think it really kind of worked totally. But one of the film festivals that was around at that time called it was called Sick and Wrong. And it's now changed oh. over to, to be called Bizarro Land. Yeah. Um, uh, the guy who runs that, Stephen Stull, put together a chat group to have a bunch of us do kind of like a it was like a Q&A or so, something associated with the festival. It was like some kind of a panel. I think it was a panel. And so we we ended up in this chat group and we did the panel and everything. And then we just kept chatting and we kind of like remained friends. Some of us, some of us kind of, some dropped off, but a, a group, especially of five of us, kind of remained friends and just every day through the whole pandemic kind of chatted. Mm -hmm. And um, and we talked about how we wanted to do something together. Like we were so all going out of our minds, like not creating. And so we came up with this idea of like doing a distributed kind of anthology thing where we would send everybody, we, we would get a bunch of our friends to film a little kind of segment at home um, and put it together as a full movie. Now, this has been done many times, but we our, our twist on it was that we were actually interested in seeing how different people approach the same material. So we're like, what if we get a whole bunch of people to make basically the same the same movie and kind of put that together as an anthology? Yeah. But we didn't um, tell them. <laughs> but we didn't want to tell them because we didn't want them to know that that's what was happening. So we just we basically just posted on Facebook. We said, you know, we're doing this project. We're looking for a bunch of people to do a, a segment of this project. We, if you want to participate, we'll send you just like two pages of a script and you'll make it at home with whatever resources you have. No, you know, don't endanger mm -hmm. anybody. Don't do anything that costs money. Just make it at home and uh, send it back to us. And then we'll put it together as a movie. So they all thought we had taken like a feature film and broken it into two page segments. And in fact, when we sent it to them, it's labeled as like scene 11 uh, in, in the thing. And it's two pages. And we wrote it to be as ambiguous and, and confusing as possible. Mm -hmm. Like it's completely impossible to understand what is going on. There's two characters named Dr. Jenkins. And you can't tell which one is speaking at any particular time. It's just like sort of up for interpretation. And um, and then we made, we in order to make that work, we crafted a story around that where the the, the group of us who are organizing the film it's the, it's kind of like our story about organizing the film. And then we wrote kind of a narrative about how we tried to send them all their pieces of this feature length script, but something got messed up in the, in the story. I'm a, I wrote a program, I wrote a bot that handles it and it makes a mistake and sends everybody the same scene, but then we're kind of like on the hook. So we have to put it together. So, so we kind of have this wraparound or this inter interstitial thing that goes through the movie that, that tells the story backward kind of about why you're seeing this movie where everybody has just made the same the mm -hmm. same scene over and over again. So that was a, you know, that was a crazy, that was like the most uh, crazy thing we could think of to do while we couldn't actually go out and, and film. I love it. that. That's, it's yeah. fucking That's awesome. so cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. A, so it was, it was, it was fun. Really and cool I, thing. I think, you know, I mean, it's it's certainly like, you know, everything is low budget and, and, and kind of homemade, but it's fun to see 20 or so people just doing the same, the same 
ambiguous, confusing two-minute scene. Yeah. So many different styles. One, yeah. Like in one case, there's a cat playing the Dr. Yeah, Jenkins. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, so yeah, so that really was kind cool. of our, our and, and we like we really didn't want them to know because we didn't want them to, you know, to try to one up try each to other. do something sure. on purpose. Do it in earnest. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Do your best job. And they were really concerned. They were like asking, I mean, we we okay, so we told them they couldn't communicate with us directly because we wanted to keep it pure. So we wrote like a chat bot. This is funny because it's before, like now this stuff yeah. is kind of actually more viable. But we at the time we said, okay, we created this chat bot that will give you any any information you have you need, any questions you have. You just write to this chat bot, you write an email to this chat bot, mm -hmm. and it will send you a response and give you whatever. It's perfect. It'll give you all the information. And so one of the guys involved in it was was the chat bot. And uh, whenever anybody asked questions, he would just write complete gibberish to them. Like he wouldn't answer any of the questions. <laughs> he would write complete insanity back to them. And uh, people were very concerned about like continuity. They're like, do I have to wear a certain costume? Is, right. is this going to be a... And he would just write like some crazy, like faux philosophical gibberish <laughs> that the computer would write. Um, which, I mean, I would get CC'd on those emails and I would I would be falling over laughing like every time he would send it So, um, so we we tried to make it a, a process for the filmmakers as well. Yeah. Some of that's not on screen, but like we wanted to make it an experience. Like we're we're crafting an experience for the filmmakers. Yeah. Um, and then when they saw it, we we did a a screening where we all got together and they watched it. And at that point, nobody knew, you know, what that that they had all made the same scene. Still, they're just sitting down <laughs> to watch the thing. And I guess you know, at some point, you're watching and you're like, wait a second, <laughs> like what? I think it takes a couple yeah. to realize, like, oh wait, <laughs> something, something exactly isn't right about this. Like, something, yeah. something has gone wrong. Um, but yeah, you know, so I mean, it, it's sort of like a, a culture jamming art project, you know, film uh, that's not, you know, it's not a mainstream film that normal people are going to necessarily want to watch. But uh, but the response to it's been pretty good. I mean, it played yeah. at a festival. It won, you know, won a big mm -hmm. award at, at Genre Blast, one of our favorite festivals. Um, and I think you know, for filmmakers especially, it's it's interesting to see the approach, what people do with you know, it's in the context of that story. Yeah, absolutely, it's a study in in artistic interpretation. Yeah, and yeah. how people take the same material and take it whatever way they're going to take it. Right. Um, it, I, I think it's fascinating. I, I really, really enjoy it. Thank you. Um, it's it, that was I was hoping we'd talk about that one. <laughs> we fell into well, good. <laughs> Well, as far as, I mean, we talked a little bit about how your influences are on parade in your films for the most part. You can you can really see, and I, I, I love that you wear that on your sleeve, um, and especially with Once in Future Smash, where, I, I mean, it, it was, uh, we watched it last night, and where, you know, it was just, oh, Oh, uh, I just kept finding these little moments where I'm like, I recognize that. I re <laughs> and then, the, of course, also the people you have come in, and and I, I was actually I should have asked you this before we even started, so I can cut this out. But how do you want to approach this in conversation? I, <laughs> I had, I had talked we, to we Joe. Can talk, we can talk honestly. It's it's okay. Yeah. Okay. I think right? I talked to. Yeah. I, I actually messaged Joe Castro during yeah. it. We were chatting back and forth. And he's like, well, uh, technically I didn't design the mask. And I'm like, wait, what? Oh, shit. Okay, how are we going to go about this? <laughs> no, I think it's pretty, like, there's it's been enough reviews and secret. stuff at this point that it's a, it's a, 
it's a weak it's a yeah. very very poorly kept secret at this yeah. point so you can <laughs> okay. we can just talk yeah. about it yeah i still like to post like because we were nominated for a few awards at renegade for end zone 2 mm-hmm. and like you know all the names are are just like synonyms for me <laughs> so i still like to post like oh, i'll be there I, we couldn't find them but i'll be there to accept yeah. sal, sal cassini is nominated for best cinematography yeah. august king is nominated best director yeah. so you know we're we're like oh it's great that those guys are getting recognition <laughs> finally yeah. what, we we won we won some awards at uh, south texas underground they were very kind to mm-hmm. us they really enjoyed screening there Somewhere and they there. gave us like a, a like a directing award for for the pair of films i guess together and um, when uh, Robert, who is one of the directors, um, saw that I was posting like, oh, August Kane is nominated. It's really cool that he's getting, you know, recognized. He's like, he's like, wait a second. Is that is that a real person? Like, did you because did he felt like, oh, was I supposed to acknowledge some other person or did I make a mistake in who I, who I awarded this to? So I explained to him that he was he was safe. He was OK. I mean, he thought so, but he was just he got scared for a second. Yeah, there's always that bit of like, wait, what's real? Right. But you know, we again, it's the same same kind of thing. It's like we really got into this this mindset of wanting to create projects that are immersive and go beyond just like you sit and you watch a thing on a screen and that's that's the end of it. Like we want to create an experience and a and a kind of a mythology and an idea around it that goes a little beyond. Um and that's been really fun to develop that with the with this, you know, pair of films, I think. I mean, it it definitely uh just as far as the the movie within the movie. End zone and end zone two, they are. I I think had I not been told, had I not been in on the joke, I'd have been like, "Oh, this is a legit film." Mm-hmm. I, it looks so good. The the you. the graining, everything about it's just a fun watch. And I, I did. I reached out to Joe Castro. He was a, he was a guest on the show as well. And I just, I'm going to read to you what he wrote when I asked him about it. Here we go. He said, I just want to say that I am truly grateful to be part of Once in Future Smash. It's a great honor to have actually been able to design the Smash Mouth character face mask. Michael and Sophia have been very diligent about keeping the script going <laughs> that the movie was originally <laughs> shot in the 70s. So to have me talk about creating the monster mask would break the fourth wall of that legend. So... <laughs> But he was yeah. just very complimentary of the entire yeah. process. We love Joe. Really we worked with it. him a number of times. Yeah. Um, but, you know, on Once in Future Smash, he is credited. He's credited. He is yeah. credited as the masquerader on Once in Future Smash. Yeah. In, yeah. In, in, he had, so he plays. Uh, so we tried to do this where everybody involved in End Zone 2 uh, has a role in Once in Future Smash as the person that they're kind of representing in the original i guess if that, yeah. if that makes sense we, so we were trying to so, make sure we, like everybody got a credit <laughs> so, right so <laughs> joe appears yeah joe so joe appears as blaze pauling the, the guy, designer of the mask paul blaisdale yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> we let him choose we're like what yeah do you want like what do you want your name like, he was he said his only regret is that he didn't do something with herschel gordon lewis's name oh yeah, yeah but yeah, i yeah. think you you had another character in there that was obviously supposed to be herschel gordon lewis so it was like <laughs> there's yeah, definitely was a lot thinking. of references to stuff so <laughs> yeah. it's, it's all it's all good but um yeah i mean everything is kind of a, a joke that i'm like nobody's gonna understand the, the, what this is about like the the I mean, one of the most obscure is the original producer is basically the guy who produced uh, Manos Hands of Fate. And like, I was like, yeah. nobody's nobody's going to get this like or or like three people are going to get this. But it's fine. I mean, I'm I'm friends with Jackie Naaman Jones. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm steeped in Manos lore. Yeah, yeah. I did the sound mix on Manos Returns. I, I did. Oh, the, OK. 
it's kind of like i mean i guess i would call it like a, a rescue mix or something like they you know they recorded yeah. it it was okay and then they were like can you help us make this sound like like passable at least <laughs> so i you know i mean i think it's fine it sounds fine i think for the for the movie i think it works but yeah so i worked yeah. so i spent okay i've seen i've seen manos returns like seven thousand times or something like that Oof. i don't know yeah man <laughs> Manos is easier to get through than that one. <laughs> well, I spent a lot, way, way too much time Sorry. with it. Um, but no, it was fun. I, it was, it was honestly like it was kind of an honor to work. I was like really oh, excited sure. to work on it. It was yeah. totally an honor. It was cool to see the actors. Like, did you, you know, get to meet Tom? I, I didn't meet anybody because I was, okay. you know, did it remote. Like, so I wasn't on set okay. or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just um, uh, was kind of brought on. Uh, they had the movie and they were trying to like, they were like, we can't figure out how to get the sound to work in this movie so can we find somebody who's right you know can can manage that and uh and so uh so tanya yeah brought brought me in okay via the internet to uh to do that yeah my son and i actually were we we stay we spent an epic day and night at jackie's house in oregon and uh he's i'm gonna preface this with he's an adult so when I continue this story, you're not looking <laughs> okay. at me in horror. But the plan was we were going to, we, you know, we had dinner and stuff. And she's like, we should watch Monos Returns. And we're like, fuck yeah, we'll watch Monos Returns with you. And then we proceeded to get way too high to do that. It's <laughs> <Yeah. So, laughs> probably the right way that's, that's, I mean, yeah, it makes more sense. We, we actually got too high. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no. But yeah. I. I mean, it's just fun to be part of like a, a historical. You know, yeah. like a like. It's something that has a a place in history, and then to do Absolutely. something. You know, it's a sequel that, especially because it brings so many of the people who were involved in the original back together. It was just. It was. Yeah. That's the kind of thing I like that makes me so happy because you know, especially growing up watching all this weird stuff. Now we're actually in a place where it's like I'm working with people that I grew up like watching that were like, yeah. you know, it, it, impossibly well, somewhere in the magic land. Yeah. Now, now I'm friends with them. Sometimes. That was one of the great yeah. honors of Smash yeah. too, is like, oh, you know, becoming friends with like Melanie Kinnaman. And, yeah. yeah. and it's like, you know, people that you like watched as a kid are like, oh, yeah. you know, they're cool. <laughs> That's, it is it's how I feel doing this. I, I, you know, I've talked to Fred Olin Ray twice now. And yeah. I, as a kid, he was this mythic figure. I've talked to Jack Hill, another mythic figure. Yeah. And I, mm -hmm. the fact that I just got to sat and chat with him, like the 14 year old me was losing his shit. Right. So, yeah. so in a movie like Once a Future Smash, that's, I was going to, I was going to say, you guys are talking, you know, absolute legends in the genre. Uh, Bill Whedon alone. I mean, how great is he? He's so good in that film and oh, he, he maybe has three lines outside of saying touchdown a thousand times <laughs> but he does them so well and i just love watching him in that i i mean when you were casting uh did you have bill and michael in mind you're gonna have to wait till next time to find out if they had them in mind in the meantime i'm proud to say we have a new partner sponsor and that is scarlet lane brewery out of McCordsville, Indiana. They have four locations in the Indianapolis area. They are the official beer of horror. Check them out. If you're in the area, make sure you stop by and have a brew. When you do go by there, make sure you take care of your servers and anywhere you go, take care of your servers because this is the Walter Paisley Movie House and we do not piss on hospitality. Talk to you next time. <laughs>